And now this afternoon, for just a couple of moments, I'll invite you to turn with me to Psalm 1. Psalm 1 in the book of Psalms. I've shared with you and I have sought your uh, prayer support uh, for me and that I'll be facilitating, kind of a combination, facilitating and teaching a course in the Psalms to a number of our students here later this month. So I find myself um, exposed to the Psalms. I, I should share with you one of the reasons that I love to use McShane's Bible reading schedule is because it takes you through the Psalms twice a year. You know that reading schedule. You know it takes you through the entire Bible once a year and through the New Testament and the Psalms twice in a year. I don't like to go long in my Bible reading and not be in the Psalms because they speak so vividly to every emotion that the Christian will experience. If you ever um, are experiencing an emotion that kind can't find expression in the Psalms, um, I wouldn't know, I couldn't possibly guess what kind of an emotion that would be. But uh, everything is expressed in the book of Psalms. Mountaintop experiences find expression in the Psalms. Being deep in the valley, even of despair, finds expression in the Psalms. Being impatient with God to the point where you're even complaining to God, that finds expression in the Psalms. So, a very, very valuable book. The longest book uh, in the Bible... Indeed, I, I have all these uh, fresh facts, you know, that are circulating in my mind from things that I've been reading. And the 119th Psalm alone, and I forget the exact stat, but it is larger than um, a number of entire books in the Bible. The Psalter is also unique in that it covers a thousand-year time period, most books of the Bible, you have a single author, you have a definitive period in time. Uh, the Psalms are, are written over a very long period of time. Psalm 1 is not the first Psalm ever written. That would be Psalm 90, which is a Psalm attributed to Moses. So it makes sense why that would be a more ancient Psalm than any of the Psalms of David. And I believe, if memory serves me right, the 126th Psalm is uh, the last Psalm. And in between Psalm 90 and Psalm 126, you cover a span of some thousand years. So indeed, a wonderful book in the Bible. And it, it, it may be that as I, I am preparing to teach this course, that uh, the Lord will be impressing things upon my heart to bring to you uh, also in the course of our service so Psalm 1 for today, this psalm is sometimes referred to as the gateway into the book of Psalms because it is the first in order of how they're compiled, not first chronologically, but obviously the first one in the book. So let's go ahead and read this psalm. This is the word of God. Let us hear it. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, 
nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Amen. And we know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his word for his name's sake. Rather interesting to note, isn't it, that as you come into the book of Psalms, the very first word that you are met up with is that word blessed. And you know, I'm sure, that the word blessed to a great degree is um, associated with the Beatitudes. We know that from the Sermon on the Mount, don't we? When the Lord began his sermon, he started with the same word, that is the first word uh, here in the Psalter, blessed. Now when we think of the Beatitudes then in the Word of God, we generally think of blessings that are promised to believers when they meet certain character qualifications. And that becomes most apparent in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's how Christ begins his sermon. The character qualification then in that beatitude is being poor in spirit. The blessing is that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. Here the character qualification you could say is humility. Mourning. Mourning in particular over sins. The blessing is they shall be comforted. And right on down the line. The meek are blessed by inheriting the earth. They that hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed and that they are filled. Well, you can carry the same idea then into the Psalms. And there are Numerous, what you might call beatitudes in the Psalms. Blessed is the man, Psalm 1 begins. And then the character of this man is described. He's a separated man. The man who would be blessed by God, he's a separated man. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He's not going to the heathen for advice. Nor does he stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. He's a separated man, separated from the world. And then his character is positively described. He's a man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates in the word of God day and night. I remember I was listening to one sermon on this first psalm in particular. And uh, he had a great alliterated outline. I'm sure I can't remember all of it, but he begins with the blessed man being a separated man. And then next, uh, the blessed man is a saturated man. 
And by saturation, he means saturated in the word. He delights in the law of the Lord, and he meditates in that word day and night. He can't get too much of the Bible. He has that kind of a love for God's word. And then his blessings are described. He can be described as a stable man. Okay, so so far I'm keeping the alliteration going. He's separated, he's saturated, he's stable. He's like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He's fruitful. As a tree, he brings forth his fruit in his season, and everything he does prospers. He, unlike the ungodly, is able to stand in the judgment. So the whole first psalm, you could say, could be analyzed and extended, analyzed as an extended beatitude of sorts. In other psalms that contain the word bless, the connection can be made between being blessed and trusting the Lord. Psalm 34 in verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. So you see this idea of a beatitude coming out again in that psalm text. Psalm 40 and verse 4, Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. In each of these cases, and in many others as well, the Lord is the source of the blessings bestowed, and the believer enjoys God's blessings as he trusts and as he lives a separated life. What I want to direct your attention to this afternoon, though, is a classification of beatitudes that invert the formula, so to speak. Listen to these verses and see if you can figure out the major distinction between these texts and the ones I've already cited. Psalm 18 and verse 46, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Psalm 28 and verse 6, Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. Psalm 31 and verse 21, Blessed be the Lord, for he hath showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. Do you see how the beatitude is inverted in all three of those verses? The Lord is viewed in these verses as not being the one bestowing the blessing, but the child of God, rather, is bestowing the blessing on the Lord. Or in other words, he's calling for the Lord to be blessed. The Lord is to be viewed as the object of blessing, rather than the subject bestowing the blessings in these instances. And there are scores of other instances like this. So the contrast is obviously great between the Lord blessing his people and his people blessing the Lord. So great, in fact, that an altogether different word is found in the Hebrew in such cases. And when you think about it, the question might naturally arise, how can weak and lowly creatures, even redeemed creatures such as we are, 
bless the Lord. We don't have the capacity or the power to bestow anything upon God. He is already altogether blessed and glorious, and we cannot add to that, uh, being the puny creatures we are. What then do these expressions mean? Blessed be my rock, or blessed be the Lord. And the answer may be found by looking at some of the things that are closely associated with our blessing the Lord. The most obvious association that I'm sure readily comes to your mind when you say bless the Lord is the association with praise. Psalm 34 and verse 1 I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. To bless the Lord and praise the Lord, then, are very closely linked. So much so that you can find at least one instance in which the Hebrew word is translated by the English word praise. Psalm 72 and verse 15, if you care to look that up. I believe there is more, however, to the word bless. There are other things that are associated with the practice of blessing the Lord, which shed light on what that actually means. For example, Psalm 18, verse 46, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock. And then listen carefully now to what follows. And let the God of my salvation be exalted. You see a connection here then between the the beatitude, blessed be my rock, with let the God of my salvation be exalted. To bless the Lord then is to exalt the Lord and to call for his name to be exalted. And how the Lord should be exalted in our hearts and in our home and in our church and in our nation. This is something that we should strongly desire and that desire should be expressed in our praying and in our worship. One of the key reasons we gather in the Lord's house on his day with his people is so that we may bless the Lord in the sense that we are exalting him in our hearts and in our lives, and in our minds. And that's something that we need to be doing constantly. Because if we lose out in the practice of blessing the Lord in the sense that we're exalting Him, then our views of Him will begin to diminish and drop and grow lower until our estimations of Him fall grievously short of who He actually is. And while I've just raised the subject of worship Listen to the words of Psalm 95 and verse 6. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. The word kneel in this verse is the same word for bless or blessed that we're now considering. So we're beginning to get a fuller picture now of all that is involved when it comes to blessing the Lord. It involves praise, it involves exaltation, and it involves a submissive posture in our worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. I know there are some churches that actually do that physically. I'm not calling for us to... um, 
established kneeling benches on the back of our chairs, but to look at it figuratively and spiritually, kneeling before the Lord is something spiritually that we should be engaged in. We humble ourselves, in other words, before the Lord. I would suggest as well that there's a connection between blessing the Lord and the strength of our resolve to bless him. Listen to these words now from Psalm 113 and verse 2. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. You kind of get a sense from that verse, don't you, that this is a resolution on the part of the psalmist. The implication from this text is that there may have been a time in the psalmist's life when maybe he had grown weak in the practice of blessing the Lord. Perhaps he wandered into the way of the world, or perhaps he committed sin and for a time lost out with God. And upon his return to God, and upon his gaining forgiveness from Christ, this text would then become his motto once again. Whatever I've done in the past, however I've gone astray, however careless I've become in spiritual things, I will return to God my Maker and to Christ my Redeemer, and from this time forth may His name be blessed in my worship and in my life. Oh, that's a good resolution to imitate. And while I'm on the subject of life, I should point out that there's an association between blessing the Lord and showing forth his salvation. Psalm 96 and verse 2. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name, show forth his salvation from day to day. So here again you get an idea of what it means to bless the Lord by noting the things that are connected to blessing the Lord. Show forth his salvation from day to day. We fail to bless him if the joy and peace of salvation have no effect on our countenances. And so these are a few of the things that are associated with blessing the Lord. Could we think for a moment on some of the reasons that are given to us for blessing the Lord? This really sets the Beatitudes back to the original order of seeing the triune God as the source and bestower of our blessings. But in return for those blessings, we in turn bless the Lord. A very appropriate Beatitude then in the place of prayer is found in Psalm 28 and verse 6. Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. Here's cause for praise. Here's cause for exalting the Lord. He hath heard the voice of my supplications. If we didn't believe this, we would be wasting our time in prayer, wouldn't we? The Lord hears. The Lord hears our words and our sighs and our cries. And for this, we find reason to bless him. This truth is emphasized again in another text, Psalm 66, verse 20. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. And then there's Psalm 31 and verse 21. Blessed be the Lord, for he hath showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. And the word kindness there is the Hebrew word chesed. 
This is the word we find most often to describe the Lord's covenant loyalty to his people. But in this verse, the psalmist finds himself compelled to describe that kindness or that covenant loyalty with the word marvelous, which means surpassing or extraordinary. And certainly we ought to know that the Lord's love and loyalty to us surpasses all love And his love is extraordinary. We find a very broad category which supplies us with countless reasons to bless the Lord. In Psalm 68 and verse 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. He he daily loadeth us with benefits. Oh, I hope you pause in the course of the day to take account of those benefits. He gives you life. He gives you health. He gives you peace. He gives you your meals. He gives you the strength to work. He gives you a beautiful summer day. And on and on, you ought to be able to pick up that ball and just run with it endlessly. He daily loadeth us with benefits. And in that same psalm, a little later on, we find one of those benefits specified when we read verse 35. O God, thou art terrible out of thy holy places. The God of Israel is he that giveth strength and power unto his people. Blessed be God. He gives us strength. He gives us power. Oh, how we ought to bless his name. Psalm 72 Verses 18 and 19, this seems like a good text to close with. These verses give us reason to bless the Lord, and they provide us with the vision we need for launching out into a new week. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things, and blessed be his glorious name forever and ever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory Amen and amen, the psalmist says. Oh, what a, what a vision to launch into the new week with. May such a vision of the whole earth being filled with his glory be the thing that fills our hearts and leads us to bless him day after day in the coming days. So we find then the Beatitudes in the psalm under two different styles, so to speak. The Lord blesses us, and those things we're able to trace spiritually and tangibly, and we bless the Lord by declaring His praise and by striving to have exalted thoughts of Him in our minds and hearts. Let's close then in prayer. O Lord, as we bow now in Thy presence and bring this time to a close, We do bless Thee, and we praise Thee, and we thank Thee. For, Lord, Thou hast indeed bestowed so many benefits upon us, costly benefits, dear God. Everything that is attributed to our salvation has come at a very high price. May we be ever mindful, O Lord, of how blessed we are and how expensive the blessings are that are bestowed upon us. And, O Lord, may we maintain a high level of spiritual vitality 
by, be, by being constantly in the practice of blessing thy holy name. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.